Hello, welcome to Workplace Wake Up. I'm Jen Shaw. Every week, I spend about 15 minutes covering legal developments, introducing you to interesting guests, and providing some entertainment to start your workday. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I am so excited here today to be with Julia Melnico. She has been a lawyer in our firm forever. And she is a DEI expert. So I wanted to bring Julia on so we could talk a little bit about DEI and what you should be doing as HR professionals, EEO officers, employment law counsel, et cetera. So Julia, first of all, welcome. Thank you so much, John. I'm excited to be here. I actually love listening to the podcast, even though we work together. <laughs> well, thank you. As you know, I cannot listen to the podcast. So I record <laughs> the podcast and then I never listen to it. So, Julia, first of all, let's talk about why DEI intrigues you, because I think this is an interesting story that a lot of HR folks can identify with. And we ended up actually sending you to a program to get Uh some special um, tools in this area. So let's talk about that for a minute. What, What got you interested in DEI? Absolutely. So as you know, I started out as a litigator. And of course, as an employment litigator, you just see tons and tons of cases with EEO issues, harassment, discrimination, retaliation. Then transitioning into advice work with Shaw Law Group, you know, I, when you talk to dozens of clients a week about these issues, you start to see the same patterns and you start to see the same concerns emerging. And as DEI has gained popularity, we started to really see a gap in kind of the information that was being provided to businesses, particularly what we're seeing is there's a lot of self-styled DEI consultants out there, and the advice that they're giving sometimes doesn't really reflect the concerns that we have as attorneys about EEO issues. So the thing that really got me interested was when I was talking to a client who had used a consultant, and the consultant had advised them about how men and women speak differently and you have different emotional responses at work. And this just made my lawyer <laughs> hair stand on end. And I said, yes, oh, no, no, I, no, no, I, no. <laughs> I am quite sure that it did. I said, we cannot start talking to our employees in these sort of gendered assumptions because we are going to end up on the wrong side of an EEO lawsuit. And that really kind of sparked my interest in how can we coordinate a DEI program that is informed by not only our knowledge of the law, but also I think there's such a great opportunity for lawyers because we have experience with thousands of clients and thousands of stories over the year. I mean, just decades of experience within the firm in seeing what happens when we try certain programs and we try certain um, tricks or tips and what happens. And so we're in this really excellent position to see how workplaces really operate, and then to coordinate that with those EEO obligations to make sure we're on the right side of the law, and we're also being practical. You make such a good point, Julia, about we work with a lot of consultants, obviously, HR consultants, DEI consultants, et cetera, and I think they have a very important place in this sort of universe where where we're um, operating. But what is missing sometimes is that legal component, which is so important. We've been in the courtroom, we've litigated the cases, and you can really start seeing how these well-intentioned policies and Mm -hmm. well-intentioned ideas like, oh, you know, 
um, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, right? How Absolutely. you really can't implement that in the workplace without having a huge problem. So one of the things that you and I have talked a lot about, Julia, is belonging. That's why when we talk about DEI, we actually add that B for belonging, right? And I haven't seen a lot of people do this. What is what is that about? Like, why is DEI not enough? Like, why do we feel like there needs to be this sort of additional component where we look at how people belong in the workplace? That's a great question. So DEI is not some kind of static program and goal that we have, right? It is progressing as we um, learn more, as we see the results in workplaces, and as workplace culture develops and changes with modern times. So the belonging aspect is sometimes added as a separate letter. Sometimes we think of it as a subset of inclusion. And what that really means is that we are starting to move away from this focus of diversity, diversity, diversity. Get get ourselves this color palette. Get ourselves, we have to get one of those and one of those and one of those from different protected classes. That is not modern DEI and it is it is not effective, right? So what we're kind of doing over time is we've kind of flipped the script where we're realizing Look, first you have to lay the foundation. The foundation has to be in place of inclusion and belonging for diversity to really happen. And what belonging means is more than just that we're inviting someone to the party, but they feel welcome at the table. So when we're talking about bringing in people with different backgrounds, whether that be race, whether that be that they're neuroatypical, whether that be that they have a disability, that they're not only, okay, yeah, you can be part of the office. Oh, we recognize that you're different but they actually feel valued for their differences and they don't they they feel that safety in the workplace to be who they are and bring those differences in a way that actually helps workplace culture, helps efficiency and improves, you know, our business. Okay, so I'm sure everyone listening is saying, "Yes, yes, we agree. That's a fabulous idea. We should do it." How do we do it? Mm-hmm. That, How that does it is... happen? Like <laughs> like that that's always my thing when I talk about you know, how you can do your job and have kids and make dinner and go grocery shopping. People will tell me, oh, I plan my meals and I know what I'm eating every night. Okay, that sounds great. How do you do it? Where do you get the time to figure that out? So what are employers supposed to do, Julia, if they're saying, we get it, DEI is progressive. It, it's changing as we understand more about it and as we focus on inclusion and belonging, what should organizations be doing to really take advantage of what I think is a pretty amazing concept of making people feel valued and welcomed? I mean, obviously, many of us struggle with recruiting, including our firm, retention. Um, we're, you know, we do pretty well on the retention side, but we need more people in the door. How do you use DEI effectively without creating legal liability? That is a great question. So the the answer is that there is no magic silver bullet. The answer is, is that you're going to need to customize it for your workplace. If you go online and you just download a worksheet that says we're going to do these DEI things, you are not going to get a change in your workplace culture that you want because you have to look at what is actually happening in your workplace. So one of the reasons I got interested in doing DEI work as an attorney is because when you look at it as a holistic individualized situation for every client, then you can actually create a plan that is designed to to fix the individual problems that are happening. Now, 
as a more general approach, we know from studies that when employees leave, when we have retention problems, the problem is almost always with their direct manager, not necessarily with leadership. So while leadership may be embracing belonging and inclusion, if we don't get buy-in at that mid-manager level, this is not going to work. So one of the things that we are really focusing on in our DEI program with the firm is that really um, crucial training component in which we, we have to get buy-in, we have to get everyone on board with this process. And that is actually a very tricky process, mm-hmm. right? Because as you know, politically, DEI is, is there's a lot of pushback. And it's, it's a hot very e- issue, right? Absolutely. Very and it's very easy to end up on the wrong side of a sort of political split within your workplace. And what we don't want to do with this program, the last thing we want to do is to get more polarization between employees in the workplace. So a good DEI program is going to be tailored to your workforce, who they are, what their interests are, what their background is, and working sometimes individually with managers to make sure that we have that buy-in. They understand what we're trying to do, that we're not trying to call them out on something. We're not trying to, um, you know, put anyone on the spot. We are literally just trying to improve everyone's experience at work. So do you do that by policies? Do you do that with potlucks? I mean, what do you do? There's a whole lot of different ways to approach it. So, for example, you do need to look at your policies. There's a lot of ways that we can improve our policies to to have more belonging and inclusion. A lot of our policies are legacy policies, right? We've had them in place for a million years. And, and you know, because I do the handbooks for the firm, I have to think about this all the time. So, for example, if we have a holiday policy, you've probably had the same holidays on your list for a thousand years. You've got Christmas, Thanksgiving, you've got Easter, you've got, you know, when you have a more diverse workforce, those holidays may be meaningless to them, you know, and not everybody is going to be interested in taking those days off, right? But they might be really interested in taking other ones off. So a holiday policy is a great place where we can start our DEI efforts and take a look at things. What are we doing? Is this really representative of the needs of our workforce? Is there a way that we can improve this for people? Um, so that's just one way that we can go through policies. But there's also training, there's coaching, there's um, long-term plans that, you know, you can develop a DEI program that is effective, is going to have accountability built in, it's going to have um, check-ins, it's going to have different ways of measuring your success. Um, there may be surveys, there may be resource groups, there may be, you know, individualized department planning. Mm-hmm. Or like mentoring programs. Yeah, exactly. To develop a charter among a program. Here, here's how we're going to show respect for each other, right? So all those things can be combined in different ways, depending on your needs, to address the issues that are, are you know, preventing inclusion and belonging from taking place, from laying that foundation for more diversity to not only enter our workforce, but to stay there and be happy and satisfied. And successful, right? Correct. Right. You know, we don't want to just look at this. One of the things I see a lot of clients doing is trying to do DEI with a checklist, right? Trying to say, okay, well, here's the group, like you said earlier, that we need to build on, or here's an underrepresented part of the community that we need to try to attract. 
but they don't realize that it, it actually, that's not what you start with, right? You have to start with building a culture where people feel valued and feel like they belong. And then you will attract people of different viewpoints and perspectives and backgrounds because they've heard, they've, they've known, oh yes, they're open to doing things a little bit differently or they're open to um, understanding that I want a different holiday, like you said, like I want to have, a, you know, why not have a couple of floating holidays where people can choose how to use that holiday. There, there are things that we can do. Right. Maybe I'm a little bit Pollyanna, but I think most employers want to do this right. And I think they want to build a good program. What is the biggest impediment? I think dedicating the resources and time and getting the buy-in from especially management to create that time. So a lot of the time what we see is, you know, I, I'm in HR, I am stacked to the gills with tasks. I don't have time for this. I don't know where to carve it out from. And then, or maybe HR has the time, but when they approach department heads, the department says, I need to get this, you know, this this target. I need to reach these goals. I don't have time to sit down and and do all these exercises, right? And especially because one of the key exercises in, you know, uh, belonging and inclusion is, hey, when we start a meeting, we're going to not talk about work for a minute because getting to know each other is a key part of improving culture and getting and, you know, understanding our differences, right? And trying to get a manager who's very busy to dedicate 10 minutes of a meeting to talking about the weekend is very, very tough. That's the kind of training that we need to target with, especially with those department heads. So they understand their obligation to create that space, but also why it's actually going to help their efficiency over time. Because that's really what we're trying to accomplish here is that it's not just to feel good. It's because it's good for the business. That is such a great point, Julia. And it's not that we're asking you to do something that is going to take a lot of time for you and not give you a return on your investment. One of the things that I know our clients have been so happy with you is they see the return. They understand the work you've done for them and how it makes their workplace a better place to be for everybody, not just for the new staff who are hired, but for the managers, for the leadership team, for the clients, for the customers, for everybody. Julia, we are out of time, but you were so amazing. You just reinvigorated me in how important this topic is. Thank you so much, Julia. It's just been so great having you. Everyone, thank you for joining us here this morning. Uh, go out and do something nice for someone today and keep up the good work, everyone. Julia, I'll see you soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Jen. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to spread the word, please share it with others, post about it on social media and or rate and review it. Of course, you can also follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter and email us at info at Workplace Wake Up, including its guests and hosts, do not provide legal advice in this podcast. Do not act upon any of the information discussed in this podcast without consulting a licensed attorney in your jurisdiction. 